This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 369 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Brutzko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's 2-2 draw against Cologne. How Saturday's match against Eintracht Frankfurt could be the last chance saloon for the Champions League qualification. And we will discuss everything else that happened in between the international break. As for Tuesday's match against Manchester City, uh, we will have an extra preview episode for that. So stay tuned. Anyway, for all that and more, joins me Lars Polman. Hello, Lars. How are you doing? How have you uh, enjoyed the uh, time off from club football, if that's something you do? Hi, Stefan. It's been a while. Um, I've enjoyed it by not watching a single second of either of the, the three Germany World Cup qualifiers or indeed any other international football, including under 21 euros so it's been basically a football free zone uh, outside of work obviously for me and that's been a nice change of pace i think there's definitely been too much football going on since uh, the the bundesliga restart in may last year and i'm kind of looking forward to an extended break in the summer already yeah same uh, I'll, i'll be honest i i feel a little fatigued maybe it's due to the uh, ongoing pandemic that uh You know, I don't know. It, it's just not the same with the empty stadiums. And uh, it's not like Borussia Dortmund are making things super interesting right now. Um, the uh, two-all draw against Cologne, I th I was very annoyed by it. Uh, I think you kind of saw it coming, if I remember your uh, timeline that uh, you said that, uh, you know, <laughs> the uh, collapse or whatever it was, uh, was not a big surprise. Why not? Because this is Borussia Dortmund and this is what keeps happening to them. And until they prove over a prolonged period of time that this thing doesn't happen anymore, I think you need to expect it all the, all the time or at least in a fairly regular rhythm, if you like. And I mean, Cologne was the right opponent to trip them up again. I think all that we know about this team... Uh, how they tend to get complacent within games, uh, playing against a side that had like one, I think one point in their last four games before meeting Dortmund. That was kind of the, the right situation for Dortmund to trip up over themselves. And I mean, that that was basically perfectly encapsulated within the game. I mean, they started really well. Dortmund did, had, I think, you know, strong 10, 15 or so minutes. And then for whatever or no reason at all, I mean, who's to say really at this point, uh, they just kind of stopped playing football, allowed Cologne into the game. And uh, even aside as uh, lackluster and lacking in firepower as Cologne, if you invite them over and over, at some point they will come knocking. And I mean, when you scramble for a late draw against a team that, you know, should possibly be relegated at the end of the season, 
that's not a good sign. Uh, and, and when Markus Gistol, who's not a particularly good head coach, saves his job twice against Dortmund in one season, that's also <laughs> not a good sign. So I don't know. I mean, I think this is also part of uh, what we talked about in the opener with, you know, fatigue and everything kind of seeping in together. I mean, it's it's been a while since the game, but I could honestly not tell you any specifics about like how the goals came about. I don't even remember, you know, the exact order of goals. I only remember the the, the Haaland equalizer at the death, more or less. And I, I honestly think the less said about this repeating occurrence of Dortmund shitting the bed against bad teams, uh, the better. Yeah, so real quick, I think it was Erling Haaland who scored the first goal after three minutes, which was just uh, like almost a lazy long ball by Emre Can. And then, uh, as you said, Dortmund's tension dropped. And uh, I think it was Andre Duda who then equalized via penalty because Jude Bellingham uh, yeah, touched the ball with his arm in the box or his shoulder or something. But uh, yeah, after VAR review. Then at halftime, Julian Brandt was subbed off because he was the worst of the bunch, according to Erdin Terzic. And uh, I think uh, yeah, Mokoko came on, who is now obviously injured. Thanks to the international break, um, Hanier replaced Urena at some point, and I think Ansgar Knauf came on after 81 minutes for Meunier, but not before Meunier uh, assisted Ismail Jakobs, which uh, was a pass he absolutely should have cut out, but uh, yeah, Jakobs then smashed it home past Marvin Hitz in like the 65th minute, and then Dortmund had plenty of time to fix this, but uh, couldn't really do it, and uh, yeah, Erling Haaland then... Uh, of the, uh, I guess, first Ansgar Knauf assist um, with the uh, sort of tap-in deflection goal. I'm, I'm not sure whether it was an own goal really or not, but uh, it counted for Haaland. And uh, in between, I think Haaland had a couple of chances to uh, score a couple more goals, but uh, yeah, didn't. And then I think the big controversy was that he uh, just sort of uh, threw his jersey at the feet of Mere and then just stormed off into the locker room. And uh, I think that sort of sums up how uh, my the, the taste in my mouth has been the entire time since the international break, that uh, it's going to be very, very hard for this Dortmund team to qualify for the Champions League because, uh, yeah, games like this happen and uh, if you have someone like Haaland who really wants to win all the time um, and then sees the rest of this to- team pull out this sort of garbage performance I think uh, yeah he was he was super annoyed uh, I don't know Lars if if you want to say that Haaland didn't play much better either um, but uh, yeah it, it's it, it's just annoying because it, it just adds more dysfunction to uh something that that seemed like it was uh, finally going again, but then did not. Mm, Honestly, I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, First of all, when you retold the game, I kind of thought uh, I I wouldn't have been surprised if that happened in February. Uh, It's (laughs) been completely wiped off my uh, hard drive, if you like. Uh, But I think uh, with that that Haaland situation at the end of the game, uh, I think that can also be a positive for the team when they see how much a guy cares. Uh, I mean, obviously, these are all professionals and I think we do them a disservice if we act like they only play for money and don't play for uh, you know success with, with the team. I mean, these are highly motivated, even if you don't see it all the time with, these collect- with this collection of players, but they are all highly motivated athletes and 
I pretty much give everyone the benefit of the doubt in, in that regard. So I don't think anybody wants it too little, which is an often used <laughs> excuse. So, but still, I think when they see arguably their, their biggest star performer or whatever you want to uh, anoint Haaland as being, I think it's, it's not a bad thing necessarily uh, to see how much someone like that cares and how, how irritated they get when uh, you know Dortmund drop two points rather needlessly against a relegation candidate. Uh, obviously, if this happens all the time and, and your striker gets annoyed during the game, which Haaland tends to be at some points, but I mean, that's still something most strikers do, but it can get overboard, obviously. And I think uh, we, we might be talking about the, the Haaland traveling circus a little later on, perhaps, I don't know. Sure. Uh, I think oh, at some point the distractions might become a bit too much with with all that Holland entails. But I think as long as that guy pours his heart out on the pitch, and I think there's no doubt that he does that uh, week in week out, and the scores, uh, the the, goal, the goals he scores speak for themselves. Really, uh, as long as he does that, I think he's entitled to throwing a bit of a fit at the end of a game, and I think most of his teammates will appreciate uh, the place he's coming from there. Yeah, yeah. I I certainly kind of felt like my re weekend was a little ruined. <laughs> I don't know why, but uh, it really annoyed me uh, more than it probably should have. And uh, yeah, that that's that. I mean, final thought is maybe that uh, I, I think you could see that Dortmund were missing Marco Reus a little bit in this game, um, who was obviously still out with the injury uh courtesy of uh, Vladimir Darida. But um, yeah, let's move on. Um, you know, Dortmund uh, are still in contention for the Champions League. In the meantime, though, before we talk about Frankfurt, um, we had an extension of uh, Hans-Joachim Watzke, Thomas Dres and Carsten Kramer. Uh, during this international break, they will all now stay on until December 2025 instead of December 2022. Mm, nope. Only Watzke to... December, Tres and uh, CC Cash, as he <laughs> likes to be called, or is called anyway, uh, until the end of June. I don't really know. I yeah, think it's right. probably down to continuity and, and always having someone in charge left or whatever. Yeah, so Tres will continue to be responsible for finance, organization and legal and investor relations. And uh, Carsten Kramer is uh, the head or whatever you want to call it of sales marketing and digitalization so um yeah there you go uh what do you make of these uh three key figures at the helm of Borussia Dortmund extending their contracts meanwhile I think Michael Zock said today at the news conference that uh, he will definitely uh not prolong his stint because he says that was sort of a long-term decision that he made Uh, first of all, it's no surprise whatsoever. I think Watzke basically telegraphed this uh, kind of move in January uh, in, in an interview, I think, with Ruhrnachrichten. Uh, I mean, the only really relevant, or not to say relevant, but the only thing that most people will actually have an experience with is Watzke staying on. And I think uh, that was on also the only uh, position that presumably would have changed hands without the pandemic. I think they definitely would have held on to uh, Kramer, who's only been uh, in the in his role 
high up the hierarchy since I think 2018. So he's relatively new in that regard. And and Tres as the head of finance and and all things money related, uh, he wasn't going anywhere. So Watzke initially wanted to leave his post, I think, in in 22, uh, at the end of 22, uh, obviously now pandemic and continuity is even more important than ever. And, And also, I think there's just not really a viable replacement option available to them. I think a lot of people around the club and, and some media members have speculated that Kramer is going to be uh, head of the, uh, I don't even know what the English equivalent would be, uh, head of the board or whatever. Uh, but I think uh, Kramer doesn't really have much of a standing outside of Dortmund's internal structure. So I don't necessarily see him being a viable replacement for Vatsk at least early on I think if you give him more responsibilities and more of an uh, more of a profile outside of you know those in the know maybe that could change but overall I mean it's a no-brainer decision as long as Vatsk wants to do it he's whatever people say who probably aren't the most intelligent when they say that Vatsk only works for uh, Dortmund's bank account or whatever or that he's dumb with transfers or whatever I mean I don't. I, I think we shouldn't pay too much attention to those people. I think Vatska is very good at, at his job. It's very difficult to find someone uh, to not only do what he does, but potentially do it better at some point. So as long as he wants to stay on and still motivated, there's no reason to not keep working with him. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting how he will marshal the ship during the uh, clusterfuck that I assume will be Dortmund's switch off sporting directors. Um, which I think Sebastian Kiel will take the helm. Um, and yeah, I'm very intrigued to see how that goes. Um, yeah, but just, I don't I don't see uh, Kiel doing that alone. I think they are uh, either going to promote Markus Pilava to a more prominent role, who is the head of the scouting department, or I don't think it's a coincidence. And I think uh, Thomas Hitzesberger, the CEO of Stuttgart, has basically... Uh, admitted to it that uh, Sven Mislintat, who's obviously been a very prominent figure in Dortmund before, and is now a sporting director at uh, Stuttgart, uh, he basically has a clause in his contract that allows him to leave for Dortmund at some point. And uh, I mean, there are, there are enough whispers around Dortmund that that is definitely an option they're looking at. So I wouldn't be surprised if Kehl was sporting director, but they actually went a bit outside of the the box and added a board member in in sporting terms i still don't know the equivalent in english yeah <laughs> i mean it's it's going to be really interesting i think that uh in the long term it's very likely that sven mislintat will have that position one way or another um depending on how much success or not success dortmund will have but uh, i think they will always uh, have a keen eye on uh the quote-unquote diamond eye. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I I think that's that's uh, sort of destined, but uh, that kind of depends on how much uh, of a powerful position Dortmund will afford Mislintat because I think uh, he doesn't want to play second fiddle at this point. So um, yeah, uh, interesting to keep an eye on, but for now um, things will continue the way they are. So, um, yeah, with with that, obviously, uh, we can move over to the game against Frankfurt and uh, 
Before anything else, I'll just quickly go through the personnel because Marco Royce, who missed against Cologne, as I previously said, will or should be an option. Uh, so is Rafael Guerrero, who had to travel to the Portuguese national team, only for them to confirm that he is, in fact, injured. Um, but uh, both have been in team training and uh, Ilian Tessic today said that it's looking good for them. Also in team training, albeit without any contact yet, is Matteo Moret, who also may be included in the matchday squad, but I assume he will not be a starter. Uh, looks sadly a little bit more bleak when it comes to Jane Sancho, who will miss for at least another week. I think Tessic said that he wants to or is hoping for positive development in the next 7 to 10 days, whatever that means. Uh, sadly, Yusuf Mukoku, as I previously mentioned, returned from the international break from the under-21. I don't know if he even played a minute. I don't think he did. Um, yeah, he returned injured and uh, some reports have suggested that it could be more of a long-term thing as well. And obviously, uh, Dan Axel Zagadou, he had to undergo knee surgery and will be out for the rest of the season. Last, uh, the Zagadou injury is obviously a big blow considering that Dortmund have like uh, two and a half centre-backs with uh, Hummels and Akanji and I think you can obviously add Emre Can by now. Uh, I don't think this was planned this way uh, to go into the season like that. Um, obviously, Zagadou, uh, yeah, hasn't really played too many minutes this season. I think he's only played two full games over 90 minutes and I think one of those was the cup game against Braunschweig, if I'm not mistaken. Um... So, what do you make of this uh, malaise and the future of Zagadou at Borussia Dortmund? Well, to be honest, you kind of made the argument that it isn't, in fact, a big deal because he hasn't been available and they've been reasonably fine in terms of personnel, not necessarily performance. But, I mean, it's it's almost a situation where everything you get from him is kind of has to be considered a bonus until he shows over an extended period of time that he can be available uh, for longer. I think we all know how talented he is, and I think whenever he has played, you know, multiple games in a row, you didn't really get the sense that he's any worse than the other options, including even Hummels. Obviously, he's uh, you know a, a very important leader and also kind of a figure for for what this club stands for, uh, Hummels is. But with Zagadou, uh, he and Akanji both have contracts that are running out in 22. So this is a very important time of the year for those guys, uh, including also Thomas Delaney and Axel Witzel. All four of them have uh, contracts for only next season. And my guess would be that uh, at least two of these guys will be gone Uh I think Delaney is the most likely to get an extension. I think Akanji is the most likely to be sold because he has a fairly uh, solid market, it seems, especially in the Premier League, where he also has basically publicly stated he wants to play eventually. I don't know necessarily that you know Manchester United are looking at him based on performances and, and also availability has been a bit of a concern for him as well. But uh, I think there's definitely going to be interest from... Uh, maybe more of a mid-table side uh, that Dortmund might also be interested in cashing in. I think they've been fairly happy with Akanji's performances and there are reports that they want to uh, extend this contract, but I think this this might come down to a numbers game, especially if they miss out on the Champions League. We all know 
uh, or, or I've read, read the reports that they want to sign Maxence Lacroix of uh, Wolfsburg, who's really good, but also quite expensive at a reported fee of like 30 million, uh, which I'm not sure they can afford, uh, even if they are selling Akanji in the summer. So with Zagadou, I think it, it basically comes down to his probably not having a strong market in the summer and them not wanting to go into the season without a contract extension. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was more of a short-term extension, kind of re-evaluating the situation in the summer of 22 without risk, uh, running the risk of losing him uh, without a transfer fee. And I think Witzel is probably likely to leave on a free transfer in 22 because he's on very high wages relatively old so i don't uh, necessarily think that he's going to have a market where uh, he's going to get the salary demands met and dortmund are not going to get too high of a transfer fee for a player such as witzel these days yeah yeah uh, i agree with that uh, i'm uh, I, I i would appreciate lacron to be honest um but uh, yeah speaking of center backs obviously uh, frankfurt's notable Absentees, I think, are both center backs uh, in Makoto Hasebe, who is uh, sitting out his suspension or is sitting out uh, his, his fifth booking, basically, and Hinteregger, who is injured. Uh, both usually key players for them, but otherwise, uh, Frankfurt have pretty much uh, all uh, players on deck. Uh, obviously, Andre Silva most prominently because he right now has as many goals as uh, Erling Haaland. Uh, he's uh, playing a terrific season. For them, so is Eintracht Frankfurt in general. I think they're quite. Uh, I don't know if they're they're uh, overperforming or just performing well, while others are not. But um, yeah, right now they are fourth in the Bundesliga on 47 points. Uh, Dortmund are four points behind them with uh, 43. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, really intrigued what we'll see uh, from the Eagles as they make the trip to Dortmund. Obviously, the uh, first fixture between both sides, I think, ended 1-1. And if I remember correctly, uh, ESPN Plus was down for the entire first half. Um, so, Lars, this is going to be a big one for Dortmund. Not as big as the uh, top spiel, which is between Bayern and Leipzig, but uh, nevertheless... Uh, if Dortmund lose this one, they will A, be uh, seven points away from the Champions League spots and B, they will be uh, level on points with Bayer Leverkusen who are playing against Schalke this weekend. So I think even Leverkusen will beat the Royal Blues currently, even though they were uh, really butchered by Hertha BSC. Um, so what do you make of this team, Frankfurt? I hope you've watched them more than other teams because I think uh, in terms of uh, Bundesliga, the fun rating, I think Frankfurt scores a little higher than most teams. They do. Uh, doesn't mean I watch them a lot because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I said too much football and that also applies to Frankfurt. I mean, I do remember a little bit from the, the first meeting. Uh, good thing ESPN came back on for the second half because they showed Gio Reyna's last good moment in a Dortmund shirt which was a, an absolute belter of a goal uh, against Frankfurt to uh, score the uh, equalizer. I think uh, Daishi Kamada, who's a really good player for Frankfurt, part of their uh, double 10 alignment, if you like. So they, they often, not always, but often play with uh, him and Amin Yunus behind uh, Silva instead of opting for a two-striker approach with uh, Lukajovic 
who came back in January from Real Madrid. Um, I mean, Frankfurt, you said, are they overperforming or are other teams underperforming? I think they've lost three games this season. Dortmund have lost nine. Uh, uh, Frankfurt have only been beaten by Bayern in, in the first leg, which was, a I think, a 5-0 schlacking in Munich. But obviously they turned around and beat Bayern at home a few weeks ago. Wasn't it also a schlacking? I can't remember. I, I, I seem to remember it was fairly close in the second half, but that was actually a game I do uh, I did watch a few minutes of. Uh, to be fair, um, they've also been beaten by Wolfsburg, I think, still in the first half of the season, and then recently they had a clanker against Werder Bremen, which is kind of a, a special fixture. I think there's a lot of bad blood between. Uh, especially like the bench areas there. I think Kofeld and Adi Hütter, the, the coaches of Bremen and Frankfurt respectively, don't get along at all. And, and that kind of permeates to, uh, you know, the subs bench and, and sporting directors and whatever. So kind of a write-off uh, for Frankfurt in a sense. But I mean, a team that's going that's gone 26 games with three defeats, that is definitely to be taken serious. Uh, they've basically have the same uh, goal scoring record as Dortmund. I think they've scored uh, one less, but also have conceded one less. So I think these are two fairly evenly matched teams on paper, even though Dortmund arguably have the, the edge in individual quality, even if uh, even though they are without Jane Sancho, as you mentioned. But Frankfurt are definitely... Uh, the better collective in in some ways. I think they have in many for ways. fairly <laughs> for for fairly obvious reasons a coaching advantage uh, in having Hütter, who's one of the more experienced in his posts in the Bundesliga at this point. A coach I rate fairly highly. I think <clears throat> sorry uh, last year in in February or so. Uh, Westdeutsche Zeitung uh, uh, in, in Dortmund local paper uh, said that Hütter was on a short list of candidates who could take over for Favre and I will tell you I would not be mad at that I mean obviously now they uh, have signed Marco Rose but uh, Hütter would have been a nice candidate in my opinion he plays a lot of uh, interesting stuff as I said they have a, a fairly flexible attacking style they uh, he always churns out strikers. I mean, uh, he, they had the, the herd of buffaloes as they styled themselves with uh, Sebastian Aller, Jovic and Ante Rebic. Uh, they lost them and now Andre Silva turns in a 21-plus goal season and Kamada and I mean, Yunus is, is back in the national team and Philip Kostic is still doing his thing on the left wing. Uh, even Erik Dorm, uh, who some of our listeners will remember from mostly being injured at Dortmund in this letter in the latter stages of his Dortmund career he's having a good season so there's there's a lot to like about Frankfurt that extends also beyond the pitch they do a lot of good work in the community they have been very outspoken against racism and right-wing terrorism in Germany uh, I think that's probably something that even our American listeners will have read about because that that, that was kind of a big deal, really. Um, 
they take stands in, in important issues. And, and generally, I think, honestly, that Frankfurt are probably the most liked club in Germany from a neutrals perspective. So uh, it, it would almost be a shame if Dortmund were to deny them their first ever entry into the Champions League. But I mean, needs must and, and Dortmund definitely need to win this game. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they will. Um, obviously, uh, also in that team, you haven't mentioned him yet, is uh, Sebastian Rode. Uh, next to uh, so in in that midfield usually double pivot um very physical team I will say and uh, as you also mentioned uh, Kostic I think roughly fifty or sixty percent or so of their attacks all go over Frankfurt's left side and uh, oh they, good yeah yeah uh, so we'll we'll have no many. problem at all. <laughs> I'm sure Meunier will handle it just fine, just uh, as he always does. So, <laughs> you know why they call him the postman because he always delivers. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, and that, uh, and also because he's playing in yellow, like most postmen in Germany, and um, also because he literally was a postman. Right. Anyway, he worked. He worked as a mailman. That's a well-known fact about Thomas Meunier. Is that so? Yeah, and uh, like all good jokes, we've now explained it to death. Yes. Anyway, so Tuta, Ilsanka, and Andika will probably form the back three for Frankfurt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin Trapp, who is having, I think, arguably a pretty good season, uh, will be in gold. So um, that's going to be pretty much their lineup. Uh, I think we can. Uh, expect uh, you know Chandler and Jovic and I don't know maybe Barkok or so to come on during the game for Dortmund meanwhile uh, I, I assume that Marvin Hitz will remain in goal I don't know uh, what what else there could be uh, do you think Turkey. that yeah I yeah obviously but uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man just just end it now but no uh, yeah do you think that Akanji will uh, revert back into the lineup for Emre Can, who I think played for 90 minutes for Germany three times in a row during this international break? Yes, I assume that's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if Can played in midfield instead. Uh, this is kind of a, a a hidden big game for Can, who's who was born in Frankfurt, played for uh, Frankfurt youth team, has a lot of connections still to uh, the Frankfurt area. And and also, I think uh, they they kind of missed having him in midfield. Obviously, they have Delaney, <clears throat> who's also played quite a bit for Denmark. Uh, whereas uh, Modahut and Julian Brandt were left at home by Joachim Löw, so they should be well rested. Uh, Julian Brandt always looks well rested even during the games. I don't know what's up with that. Um, but I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Jan played in midfield, but definitely expect Hummels next to Akanji. Yeah, yeah I I definitely expect Bellingham to play. Um, so I, I don't know if there's space for Jan or not, but uh, yeah, obviously he has these Frankfurt roots. Otherwise, uh, I think it's pretty straightforward with uh, Reus and Hazard and Haaland. Uh, up front, uh, obviously, Mukoku is injured. Uh, I don't know what happens with Tigges, whether he will get uh, a couple of minutes. Otherwise, I'm hoping that Rafael Guerrero is back because that would obviously be a big boost. If not, we'll have Nico Schulz, I assume. Happy uh, birthday, Nico. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, uh, it's literally his birthday. Ah, uh, cool. 
So April Fools is his birthday. Are you is what you're saying is a nah. Anyway. <laughs> I'm I'm not making the connection, I'm just spitting facts. Do you think um the uh, aftermath of the Cologne match still sort of lingers on in that Dortmund team and we will see the quote unquote uh proverbial reaction or do you think that it doesn't matter and uh will have more to worry about potential international break fatigue etc i mean a lot of the the players had pretty decent i would say international breaks so i don't necessarily think that will will, will hinder him uh, i think for example azar and even munier had good games with belgium uh, bellingham was kind of the talk of the england team even without getting too many minutes Uh, Jan before the loss to North Macedonia did surprisingly well at left back apparently uh, so I, I, the thing is do we think this Dortmund side is capable of uh, you know turning their anger into motivation or do they even feel too much anger after the Cologne match or do they kind of shrug it off as oh that was one of those games i guess uh we have them all the time so i mean whenever we we've talked about them showing reactions were those actually reactions or did they just revert to playing to their standards or to their to the capabilities that this team has so i'm i'm struggling to uh kind of put a name on it but I don't necessarily think that a game two weeks ago uh, has much of a bearing on a game that I think they will have spent two weeks talking up in the dressing room. I mean, uh, in, in the opener, you said this was basically last chance saloon, and, and it obviously is because if they are seven points behind a team uh, with seven match days to go that has three losses and you have 10 at that point, I mean, there's literally nothing to suggest that you can uh, wheel them back in. So you're kind of looking at avoiding uh, playing in the uh, conference league next season, which I'm sure no, not a single Dortmund player has <laughs> any clue about what that actually is. So I think uh, the motivation comes from what's at stake here and not what happened last time yeah fair enough uh but that also should have been motivation against cologne but uh, was not so um anyway uh frankfurt after playing against dortmund they will face wolfsburg gladbach then augsburg leverkusen mainz schalke and freiburg so um it's not the easiest of all run-ins but i think dortmund's isn't uh much easier either. I think Dortmund still play Leipzig and uh, Wolfsburg and uh, Leverkusen and such. So, yeah, going to be uh, in interesting between those teams. Uh, I must say, from a neutral perspective, I'm kind of more rooting for Frankfurt in, in this competition. But, um, you know, if I could pick and choose, uh, Wolfsburg just completely collapse and... Uh, fall down the table but I don't think there's much indication for that to become true so um, yeah with that being said I don't know I, I I almost don't really care if Dortmund play in the Champions League next season or not I think if it's Europa League it's it's fine too I feel in, in the more general sense maybe I'm, I'm, I'm wrong here but I feel like this Dortmund team may not be able to sustain long-term Champions League football anyway 
with the res with the uh, resurgence of Leipzig or or surgeons uh, and uh, other teams maybe getting stronger over time. I don't, I don't know. I just I just feel like uh, we're a little bit on the uh, on on the uh, slope down. And uh, you know, if you look at certain player transfers Dortmund made in in the past, um, and and the salaries they're paying players like Meunier or Nico Schulz, I don't see players like that um, leaving anytime soon. And I don't think uh, Dortmund can really uh, yeah replace Haaland and Sancho. Uh, so well that uh, they will keep that level. So um, may maybe I'm completely wrong about that, but I, f I feel like we're a little bit uh, in decline now after a lot of great years. But uh, hey, it still could be a cup-winning season, etc. So um, with that all being said, and maybe I'm just a bit a tad too negative here, Lars, uh, why don't you predict the scoreline for this match? Yeah, Stefan, when you are too negative, we turn to me, that that makes a lot of sense. Well, sometimes I, you 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 act then as the equalizer. Yeah, and uh, someone perhaps might be scoring an equalizer uh, when wow. Dortmund beat Frankfurt two goals to one on Saturday. Well, well, that's a that's a fascinating prediction because it was minus well, I feel like uh, for for many for many years this was sort of the go-to scoreline that Dortmund had in home matches against Frankfurt. Um, so yeah, I, I think 2-1 uh, sounds about right. Um, it's going to be really tricky for Dortmund, especially with the uh, Champions League tie ahead. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to previewing the sort of bonus games Dortmund have now uh, in the quarterfinal against Manchester City. I don't really see them prevailing there either, but uh, you know... You never know in football. This is why we all watch, etc., etc. Anyway, Lars, uh, thanks for coming on and doing this uh, quick preview of the Frankfurt game and sort of very late digestion of the Cologne match. Any closing thoughts? Uh, I would encourage people not to get too wound up with uh, the traveling circus of Mino Raiola <laughs> and Ulf Inge Holland. Uh, they were in Barcelona and Madrid on Thursday. I kind of assuming they are going to make a visit to the Greater Manchester area. Uh, might include a stop at Liverpool. I yeah, wouldn't be surprised to see them. Like Street Fighter 2, the little airplane traveling everywhere. Yeah, I don't get that reference, but they might still turn up in Paris or Turin or I don't know. As long as they stay out of Munich airspace uh, <laughs> and everybody is in agreement that Holland is not going to leave before 22, unless someone offers them an absurd amount of money that you can't refuse in pandemic times. I think people can kind of appreciate the entertainment value of having a Raiola player at your disposal. And I think if there's a player who's not going to suffer in terms of performance from all this talk about him, it's probably uh, Erling Holland. So. I'm, as I said, kind of encouraging people to relax in that regard and not to get uh, too wound up with the the sideshow. Yeah, thanks for saying that. I have nothing to add. So with that, I'll just wrap it up. You can follow Lars at Lars Pormann on Twitter. You can follow myself at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. You can follow all of us at Yellow Wallpot on Twitter and Facebook. 
If you want to subscribe to this show in its various means and forms, go to YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, etc. And uh, if you want to read our written content, go to theyellowwall.net. As always, thank you very much to our patrons for your continuing support. With that, as always, thank you for listening and goodbye.